Good morning, everybody. Great to see your smiling faces in the house uh, today. And newsflash, summer is over, okay? It is over. It is in the books. Uh, it is fall now. I hope you got a break this summer. I hope you got to take a little vacation or get away and recharge your batteries. You know, Liz and I got a chance to get away for a couple of days, and we were so grateful for that, to find a beach somewhere and just kind of chill out for a little bit. But something happened on our vacation that has never happened to us before. We were uh, out by the pool. I, of course, was in my spot under the shade, all right, so no sun gets to me, reading my book. Liz was laying out over here, and she said, Craig, did you hear that? And I'm like, what? You know, I'm, I've kind of engrossed in my book. And so we listened, and you could hear a woman's voice crying out, and she said, help, help, somebody help me. And so, of course, we stood up. We're trying to figure out where that is. And about 50 yards from where the, where the pool is, is the beach. And she was actually in the water, maybe about waist deep. People already converging on her to try to help her. Within maybe uh, two minutes, you had the lifeguards come in on sea dews and they jump off and they've got their life preservers under their arms and they're going to work. And apparently her husband had some kind of trouble there in the water and they were able to take care of him and, and, and all was good. But it was just, uh, man, it was kind of unsettling, right? When you hear somebody crying out for help, you don't hear that very often. You know, we, we all need help, right? Do we agree with that? Can you say amen to that? We all need help, all right? Uh, we, when you're a child, when you're an infant, you need help. You need somebody to feed you and, and care for you and clean you and take you places. Uh, and the same is true when you were born into God's family. You need help. You can't grow on your own. You can't change on your own. You need God's help to change you and to empower you to live a different life. I remember um, when I was a young pastor, this older man discipled me, and he used to always say this. He would remind me of it multiple times. He would say, Craig, you cannot live the Christian life on your own. He'd kind of point at me like that. You can't do that on your own. Through your own will, you can't change on your own. Only Jesus can live this life through you. And I've never forgotten that. That's so true. So many times I'm trying to struggle to do things that only Jesus can do through me. You may be here today and you feel like you're struggling with temptation, or you're struggling in your family, or you're struggling with your past, or you're struggling to forgive someone, or you're struggling with doubts, and you're struggling, struggling. Only the Spirit of God can live this life through you. And I've got really good news that help is on the way, all right? And that's what we're going to learn in this passage today. So get your Bible out and open up with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is where we are uh, today. And uh, just a little context here again, we are in the upper room. And this is the last night before Jesus' arrest and ultimate crucifixion. And Jesus is with his disciples giving his last words to them. And he's talking about going away. He's going to go away. And of course, they don't really fully know what he means. And so they're like, well, where, where are you going? And, and why can't we come? And, and what do you mean you're leaving us? And how can we possibly move forward without you? And he's going to tell them, listen, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you somebody to come with you that will help you. Okay? And that helper is the Holy Spirit. So let's look at it. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 
15. Okay, you there? Uh, This is the word of God. Uh, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Now stop right there. We said last week that the discussion around the table was about greatness. Remember the disciples came into that room and they were talking about who's going to be highest on the org chart in Jesus' ministry. Who's going to be the greatest? And so Jesus is now showing them what true greatness looks like. And it looks totally different from what they thought. And so the first lesson he gave them was about True greatness is about humble service. Remember, uh, great people serve people. And he humbled himself and he washed their feet. But now he's going to show them another lesson about true greatness. And if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down. Here it is. Great people rely on the Spirit for help. Great people rely on the Spirit for help. Now, this is very different, very inverted from what we think because we think of greatness. We think of that person that started off poor and they just climbed their way up the ladder and through their force of will and their determination and they just wouldn't quit. They just kept fighting, kept charging and they made it up to the top and they didn't need anybody. They're a self-made man, self-made woman. They don't need anybody, just themselves. They took it to the top. That's the great person. And Jesus says, you got it all wrong. True greatness is not that you don't need anybody. True greatness is that you depend and you rely on the Spirit of God to do His work through you. That's what great people do. And in fact, uh, a, a good case study in this is Jesus Himself. Did you know that when Jesus was ministering on this earth, that He said in and of Himself He could do nothing? You know that? Multiple times he said this. But in John 5, verse 30, he said, I can do nothing on my own. He relied completely on the Holy Spirit to work through him. And if you look, it is an interesting study of the study of of Jesus and the Holy Spirit throughout the Gospels. It's fascinating. We learn that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that he was led by the Spirit, that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was there at his baptism, that he taught by the power of the Holy Spirit, that cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that even through his work on the cross and even his resurrection from the dead was by the power of the Holy Spirit. From beginning to end, Jesus relied and depended on the Spirit to do this work through him. Now, if that's true, that Jesus needed to depend on the Holy Spirit, then do you think that you need to depend on the Holy Spirit? Uh, That would be a a resounding yes, okay? Well, let's just say yes. One, two, three. Yes. Yes, Yes, we all need to depend on the Holy Spirit. You can't do this on your own. Just like that man told me, can't do this on your own. Only the Spirit of God can live this life through you. And so Jesus is talking about this to his disciples. And he's telling them to rely on the Holy Spirit. They watched him live that way. Now he was going to give them the same spirit so that they could live that life that he called them to live. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit today. I want to answer three big questions about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a little roadmap of where we're going this morning, all right? First question is, who is the Holy Spirit? Second question is, what does the Spirit do to help me? 
<laughs> what does he do to help me? If he's my helper, what does he do? And then number three, how do I live by the Spirit? Okay, so let's tackle that first question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, look at verse 16. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, he's talking here about the Holy Spirit. And, and let me just go ahead and, and state the obvious, that there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. A lot of confusion. Some of you grew up in a church and you never heard about the Holy Spirit. Or if he was mentioned, it was just like in a whisper, like the Holy Spirit, you know, like that. All right, you just didn't talk about it, all right? Other of you, of you grew up in church and it's Holy Spirit every Sunday, you know, on, on hyper, hypercharge, right? Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that, all the time. And so we, even in our, in this group right here, we probably have a vast array of exposure and experience and, and thought about the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer, a great, a godly uh, pastor, leader, writer, he said this. He said, the idea of the Holy Spirit to the average church member is so vague as to be non-existent. <laughs> I think that's true. You know, we just have this vague idea, but you don't really understand who he is or what he does. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, here in this verse, he is called the counselor. Circle that word counselor that's in verse 16. The Greek word here is parakletos. And it's important to know the Greek word because it's really a combination word. Para means alongside. Think of the word parallel. Think of paralegal, uh, paraprofessional, right? Uh, someone who comes alongside you. And then kletos means to call. So, this word here, translated counselor, it means one who is called alongside you. Now, it's translated lots of different ways in different versions. So you might look at your Bible and see what it says. Some versions translate this counselor, as in legal counsel who comes alongside you to advocate for you. Some translate it uh, advocate. Some translate it comforter. Some translate it Helper, I think that's the best one. ESV translates it helper. And I like that one because I think it encompasses all the others. He is your helper. He's the one who comes alongside you to help. Listen, the Lord knows we all need help, right? <laughs> and, and he has given you all the help that you need by sending you the helper. The one to come alongside you and to help you in this life. So who is this helper? Well, a couple of things we know right from this passage, that he is a person. Jesus refers to the helper, the counselor of the spirit with he or him six different times in these few verses. He always referred to this way as a person. He is a third person of the Trinity, uh, which is the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, you see the whole Trinity at work in this verse. Jesus says, I, the Son, will ask the Father, and the Father will send you the Spirit. So you have all of the Trinity at work in this passage when he talks about the Holy Spirit, our comforter. Now, a lot of people don't understand the Holy Spirit as a person. In fact, I saw an article this week, and this quote really jumped off the page at me. I'll just put it up here from the Daily Citizen. It said, 69% of Americans who call themselves Christians contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. 69% say he's not a person, but 
survey said, eh, right? Uh, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus clearly speaks about the Holy Spirit as a person. The Father will send him. He will come uh, to you. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not, let me just make this clear, he's not the force as in Star Wars. The force will be with you. He is not a symbol. He is a person. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that he has all the divine attributes of God, that he can be grieved, that he can be lied to, that he can be resisted, he can be insulted, he can be blasphemed. He is a person, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Well, what kind of person is he? Well, Jesus said he is another counselor. Now, that word another is really important. Uh, there are two words in the Greek for another. You can have another of the same kind or another of a different kind. Let me illustrate that for you. If you go out to lunch today, hopefully you're going to go grab some lunch right after the service and you go get some pizza and it's terrible, it's nasty, it's, it's greasy, it's, it doesn't taste good, everything's wilty on it, then you're, you're probably going to go back and say, hey, I need another pizza. But what you're saying is I need another of a different kind. I don't want this one. I need a better one, another of a different kind. But if you went out to eat pizza and it was really good, I mean, it was the best one you have had in a long time. I mean, it was crisp and it was so yummy and it was thick. And it was all that kind of, and you thought, you know what? That was so good. I think I can have an own. I think I can do it. I mean, if you're a teenager, this is no big deal for you, right? But, but I think I can have another pizza and you go up to order. You say, I want another one. What you're saying is I want another of the same kind, right? Of the same kind. Well, that's the word, alas is the Greek word, another of the same kind that Jesus uses. He said, you want to know what this person is like, what the spirit is like? He's another helper, another like what? Another like me, he says. Just like I have helped you, this helper will help you. Now, how did Jesus help them? Well, he went before them. He was always with them. He taught them. He confronted them. He uh, went before them, he guided them, and he said, all the ways that I have been helping you, this spirit is going to do the same thing for you moving forward. He is going to be your helper. In fact, in John 16, Jesus said it's actually better for him to come. John 16, 7. It is for your benefit that I go away, he said, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He said, you know, it's actually better that I leave so the Spirit can come. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, Jesus, it's better for you to be with us, right? Not for you to leave. He goes, no, no, it's so much better because, you know, guys, when I'm with you, I can only be in one place at one time. I'm bound by my physical body, but the Spirit can be everywhere. He can be in you and you and you all at the same time. Hey guys, I've only been with you for three and a half years investing in your life, but, but the Holy Spirit will be with you. Look at it, verse 16. He will be with you forever. He will never leave you. Let me just say, this is a tremendous comfort to me. That no matter where you go in life, no matter where you are in life, that your helper will never leave you. You are never without divine presence or divine help because your helper is with you. I think about Psalm 139. 
We'll just put that up here on the screen. Psalm 139. Where can I go to escape your, your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that is a place of the dead, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle on the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. I love that. I can go far east or far west. It doesn't really matter. God, you are there by your spirit. The helper is with me. Listen, you may feel alone today. You may feel abandoned today. You may feel like nobody really understands what you're going through. But your helper is with you. He will never leave you and never forsake you. So Jesus is really comforting his disciples. I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna send you this helper. He's a real person. And just as he's, I've gone before you, he's gonna go before you and he's gonna meet every need that you have. And that kind of leads us then to the second question, and that is, well, you know, what does the Spirit do to help me? If he's such a great helper, well, what is he actually going to do for me? And look at it, verse 17. He is the Spirit of truth. It's interesting, here in chapter 14, he's called the Spirit of truth. In chapter 15, Jesus calls him the Spirit of truth. In chapter 16, you want to guess what he calls him? The Spirit of truth. Over and over and over, he's called the spirit of truth. And this is the, one of the essential things that the Holy Spirit does for us. It's wrapped around truth. For example, let me give you a couple of things. One is that the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to you. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to you. In chapter 16, verse 13, he said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, this is really important, especially for those disciples in the upper room. Now, track with me here for just a minute, okay? Because I'm driving to an important point. In the upper room, Jesus is talking to them directly. And he's telling them that this spirit is going to lead you into all truth. This is especially important for these men in the upper room because very soon, these men are going to be the ones sent out to take the gospel to the world. And some of those men are going to be tasked with the with, with actually writing down the Gospels, which are going to be preserved for us. Now, how in the world are these guys going to remember everything that Jesus did and said? <laughs> I mean, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, much less remember three and a half years of everything Jesus taught and directly what he said and what happened next. And all. How are they going to remember all that? How are they going to write that down in Scripture so 2,000 years later we can sit here in Colleyville and open up our Bible and know that this is really what happened? Well, it's because the Holy Spirit helped them. In John 14, 25, Jesus said, I have spoken these things to you while I'm remaining with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Isn't that something? He said, listen, guys, it's not going to be up to your own mental faculties, but the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of all that I've said so you can write it down so we can preserve the truth of this message. Did you know that's exactly what happened? That throughout church history, it said that as these men, uh, these apostles that wrote out the gospels, that they were, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to write a record of the account of Christ. In fact, it says in 2 Peter 1.21 that they were, get this, carried along by the Holy Spirit in the authorship of scripture. They didn't just wake up one morning and say, I think I'll write the Bible. All right, honey, that sounds good. See you at lunch. You know, it wasn't anything like that. 
I mean, they were moved on by the Holy Spirit and, and the Spirit of God began to help them remember all the things that Jesus said and did so they could write it down and preserve it for us. That's why in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said in John 17, your word is truth. Now, what does that mean for us? What that means for us is all the truth you need is right here. This is all the truth you need. You don't need a new revelation. You don't need a new uh, version. You don't need a new vision. You don't need a new recollection. You don't need a new prophecy. All that you need of truth is right here. God declared the truth. Jesus lived out the truth. The Holy Spirit has revealed that truth. He brought to the recollection of godly men who filled with the Spirit, wrote this down, preserved over time uh, by the work of God, by the hand of God to present to you so you can have an eyewitness account of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what you have. This is all that you need. And so, and, and the cool thing is, the same Holy Spirit that wrote the scripture is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you when you know Jesus. So when you are reading the word of God, sometimes you'll go, wow, I never put that together. I never really understood that part. Man, man, that blows my mind. Did you check this thing out? I can remember when I was in college, man, and, and I would be reading the scripture and, and it was just like my mind was being blown for all these things I'm finally understanding. It's because the same spirit that wrote the scripture is the same spirit living in me that was opening my eyes and revealing this truth to me. And the same thing will happen with you. So he reveals truth to us. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is he leads you into truth. He leads you into it. Now, get this. I'm talking here about salvation. You cannot come to faith in Jesus apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't be saved. You can't come to conviction of your sin and a, a realization of who Jesus is and a conviction of the truth of God's word apart from the work of the Spirit of God within you. You just can't do it. Apart from the Spirit of God, you're like, you don't care. Only the Spirit of God is the one that does this. And by the way, this is all the way through the Bible. Uh, if you get the, the app, the church app, and you get on sermon notes, all these verses are listed off for you. I'm not going to list them all off. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. That he exalts Jesus, that he draws you to Christ, that he causes you to be born again into God's family, that he cleanses you on the inside, that he places you into God's family, that he frees you from the burden of sin. All this is a work of the Holy Spirit. I can remember in my own life when that day came when I made it just, God opened my eyes to my sin and my need for Christ and there was an urgency to be saved. And I want you to know that this truth that only the Holy Spirit can bring you to salvation is a great comfort to me as a preacher. When I was a young preacher, I used to feel like that if somebody didn't give their life to Christ, that it was, I didn't do a very good job, right? Clearly, I didn't communicate enough. If I'd have done that more moving emotional story at the end or, if, or if, if I had maybe talked a little bit harder and louder on this point or if I had shared a few more verses, maybe that would have helped them cross the line. And I've come to the realization in my old, old years as a pastor, I've come to the realization that it's not about me. Shocker. It's not about me. It's not about me. I mean, really, my job was just try to get it, the gospel across the plate, but it is not about me convincing you that you need Jesus because only the Holy Spirit can do that. 
And I tell you what, I, I get great comfort in that because man, if I could just get across the plate, I can go put my head on the pillow at night because only God can do it. And I, I have seen it. I mean, you see me every Sunday, but guess what? I see you too. You know, people don't think I can actually see you. I can see you. I know what you're doing. And there's some guys I can watch and I mean, I'm giving it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to share the gospel. I'm fired up. I'm trying to get it to you. And there's some people like looking at their watch. Man, he's not going to make it. We're going to be late to Luby's, you know? Somebody's like, what's Luby's? Anyway, that's, a, that's, a, that's an old thing. Never mind. Uh, but then on the same row, there'll be somebody leaning forward with tears streaming down their, their cheeks. And you're like, well, how is that possible? The same message, same place. But one is convicted. And the other one is, doesn't care. The only way I can explain that is, God, the Holy Spirit's working in this guy and not in this one. And so listen, that's what I pray for. When I pray for you, and by the way, I spend time with a group of men praying for you every Sunday morning. You may not know that. I get here early and I get with a group of guys and we pray earnestly for you. And one of my constant prayers is, Lord, may your spirit convict hearts to draw them to you. And listen, maybe you've sensed the Holy Spirit working on you and you've sensed that conviction and you've sensed that drawing and you've been pushing them away and pushing them away. Listen, if, if you're here today, do not harden your heart against the Spirit of God. Open your heart to Him while you still can. So it's the Holy Spirit that reveals truth. It's in the Bible. The Holy Spirit that leads you into truth by convicting you and drawing you. But check this out. It's the Holy Spirit that grows you in truth too. I mean, you're growing up in the truth by the work of the Holy Spirit. Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit grows you in the faith. And by the way, all the way through the, the Gospels and all the way through the Epistles, you see this work of the Holy Spirit. We're called to be, to live controlled by the Spirit, Romans 8, filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5, to walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16, keep in step with the Spirit, Galatians 5.25, to be empowered by the Spirit, Acts 1.8, to bear the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, to be led by the Spirit, Romans 8.4, listen to the Spirit, Revelation 2.7, to pray in the Spirit, Ephesians 6.18, to sing in the Spirit, Ephesians 5.19, to love in the Spirit, Colossians 1.8. I mean, all the way through the Bible, the whole Christian life is yielded to the Spirit, and moved along by the Spirit. That's the Christian life. Again, it comes back to, remember that old man that discipled me? You cannot live this Christian life on your own. That will only frustrate you. Only the Spirit of God can do it through you. You have to be yielded to Him. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this glove here. This glove was designed to do something. It was created on purpose. It has design, right? Does that look familiar to anybody? It has design and purpose. But if I tell this glove, I want you to pick up that bottle of water, it can't do it. Or pick up this Bible, it can't do it. Or help someone, it can't do it. It's incapable in itself to do what it was created to do. And it's only until I put my hand in this glove and I feel this glove and it becomes compliant to my initiative that now the glove can fulfill its divine and designed purpose. That is the same with you. 
Now you say, well, Craig, you know, your illustration's kind of good, but it, it, it's not the glove doing it. It's your hand doing it. And that's my point. That's my point. Anytime you see God at work to someone, you see a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church. That's not him doing it. That's the Holy Spirit working through him or a wife loving her husband. That's the Holy Spirit. Or, or when you see someone caring for the poor or someone uh, meeting a need or someone showing compassion and love or someone boldly sharing the gospel, it's not them doing it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit empowering them and doing it through them. That's why it's powerful and effective. That's why God uses them. And so many of, of you, you may be frustrated trying to live out the Christian life, trying to be better, but you're doing it out without the power of the Holy Spirit within you, without being submitted to him. So that leads me to the last question here, and that is, well, how, how can I live under the power of the Holy Spirit? Look at verse 17. He says, the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Would you circle those last two words, in you. This is the wonderful promise of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you and work his life out through you and to change you on the inside and empower you to live the life that he created you to live. That's the good news, right? That's the helper. He's here to help you do this very thing, to, to live your life to the fullest in a way that glorifies God. He will help you do that as he comes in to work through you. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, the Holy Spirit comes into your life at the moment of your salvation. When you are saved, you, you receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, look, look at this verse in Ephesians chapter one. It says, in him that is in Christ, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Well, when did that happen? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. See that? So the moment you heard the gospel, and you were convicted by the Spirit of God and your need for Christ and you repented of your sin and you believed on the Lord Jesus when you cried out like that woman on the beach, help, help, I need you. Lord Jesus, save me and change me and, and, and forgive me. Lord, I need you. When you cried out to him, then he not only saved you and washed away all your sin, but he placed his Holy Spirit within you. You are stamped, sealed with his spirit. In fact, the next verse says the Holy Spirit is almost like earnest money on a house, right? If you're really serious about buying a house, you're going to put some earnest money down that says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to pay that in full. And he said, when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit is like earnest money saying for sure Jesus is coming back and he's going to take you with him into heaven, all right? So how cool is that, that he puts his spirit within you at the moment of your salvation? But not only do you receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, but now we need to grow in the Spirit and we need to walk in the Spirit and we need to be submissive and yielded to the Holy Spirit. And that's like that glove, right? Every day I have to say, Lord, help me. Lord, fill me. Lord, control me. Lord, change me. Lord, guide me. Lord, direct me. 
Lord, help me live this life. Live it through me. I can't live it on my own. I can't get through this day. I can't get through this marriage. I can't get through this hard time in my life. I can't get through this on my own, God. I need your spirit. Oh, helper, fill me and empower me and change me. That's how you live in the spirit. You know, a lot of people will say, Pastor, I just need more of the Holy Spirit. No, you don't. The Holy Spirit needs more of you. The Holy Spirit needs you to surrender fully and completely to him. And if you will do that, he will help you. He'll change you and he'll use you. Why don't you bow your heads with me for just a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Christ. And as I'm talking about the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin and your need for Jesus, and he wants to come into your life and forgive you of your sin, and you can think of the times when you have resisted him and said, no, 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 not now, maybe later, not now. I want to live my own life. But my friend, today is a day, and the Spirit of God is again knocking on your heart. If you'll hear his voice and not harden your heart, He'll come in and change you. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The gospel is really clear. We've sinned against God. We deserve judgment. Jesus died on a cross in your place because he loves you. He died. He rose again three, three days later. And, and now he offers you forgiveness and change if you'll turn to him in faith. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. I can't guarantee you another opportunity, but you have one right now to say yes to Jesus. And if right now you sense the Spirit of God drawing you and convicting you, don't harden your heart to Him. Don't resist Him. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith. And if the Spirit of God's working on your heart and you need Christ, then I'm just going to ask you just to lift up your hand. And that hand up in the air is like saying, Lord, help. Like that woman on the beach, Lord help, I need you. And I'll see your hand, Lord sees it. And I'll lead you in a prayer just right where you're seated. So lift up your hand, all right, thank you, thank you. All right, lift up your hand right now. I need, I need the Lord, I need forgiveness. I need, I need to be right with God. Lift up your hand, I need Christ. anybody else. Now's your chance. Don't wait. Don't resist. The Spirit of God's drawing you. Now's the time. Lift up your hand. Okay, put your hand down. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. I need your help. Please fill me with your spirit. Change me on the inside. I want to live my whole life knowing and following you. Thank you for loving me. Now, just with your heads bowed, maybe you're a believer today, but you've been struggling in some area. God knows it. You know it. 
just ask him to send you help. Ask the Spirit of God to help you, to fill you, to change you, to empower you, to lead you. Just ask him right now. Father, we love you. We thank you that you have not left us without help, but you have sent us your helper, your spirit to live within us. So Lord, as we go into this next week, as we go back to work, go back to school, as we go on those that business trip or as we dive into this project or as we work with the kids at home or whatever tasks you've given us to do this week, God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. Control us by your spirit. I pray that we would be attuned to listen to you, to follow your lead. Lord, show us areas that need to change in our life, God, and empower us for the work ahead that we could truly live out this Christian life as you live it out through us. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your goodness to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.